Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 9, Sasha continues her four-part series on strategies to advance in your professional life. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. It's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Thanks for coming in today and checking out the podcast. If you have never listened to the Brave Enough Show, this is season two. Season one, I really talk about the origins of Brave Enough and how I started this podcast and a little bit of my story at the first and second episode and really what led me to a very low place in my career of burnout. So if you've never checked out those episodes, you might want to go back and check those out. And really, I wanted to encourage you today because many Many of the listeners that check out my show are in a similar space, but they may be isolated. They may be working in an environment where they don't connect with another person or they don't feel like anyone looks like them or is struggling like they are or really has all of the life challenges they have. And I want to make sure that if you are a woman who is feeling really lost in your job or you feel discouraged in your job, that you understand there are plenty of resources on my website for you. You can go to becomebraveenough.com. I have a lot of resources. I have a lot of writings. I have a mini class on your internal thoughts called Frenemy versus Fangirl. I also have a master class, and this is a coaching class that I take about 15 to 20 women through twice a year. It's all online and It's really an amazing class. I just finished a last cohort last week, and I'm telling you, the changes that these women had from going through this online work over a 12-week course was phenomenal. The single biggest thing that every woman came away with was how to prioritize her time, which I think is something so many of us struggle with when we have careers and families and responsibilities. And so if you're interested in joining my small group coaching class, I would love to have you. If you're not sure, you can email me at info at becomebraveenough.com I read my emails and I will get back to you. Or you can go on becomebraveenough.com and click on the masterclass to really get involved in the community and check out what we talk about. So today we're going to be talking about the last part, part four, in a four series podcast that I put together called Strategies to Advance. And the reason I thought of this is because I know that many of us feel stuck in our jobs or stuck in our life. And we may feel stuck on a personal level or a professional level or even in a relationship, and we're not sure how we can advance. And so I put together some very common strategies. And today's strategy that I want to land leave you all with is probably the most important one. And it may actually be quite shocking to you. But it's about retreating, what I call the weekly retreat. And you may think, wait a minute, the way I get ahead is by doing nothing, but actually doing nothing, which I refer to as diastole, which is actually the heart relaxing. I'm a nerd. I know I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist that requires energy. Okay. So diastole requires ATP and you can actually go into heart failure if you have the failure of your heart to relax. And you know what? It's an allegory for our life. If we fail to relax, it can be the death of us and relaxing. I don't want us to think about is doing nothing. I want us to think of relaxing or retreating as going inward on a routine basis that can change the trajectory of our life. So I just want to dwell on that for a minute. 
in our world, we are so surrounded with a to-do list and busyness and do more and be more and act more and buy more. But the art of actual retreating is something that I have been really studying for the last year and focusing on in myself. And I can tell you that the more I retreat, the more clear my goals become, the more I gain clarity about what is bringing me down or what are the negative behaviors or the negative thoughts that I have in my own life that I struggle with and where are the areas of growth that I need to concentrate on. So with retreat comes clarity. I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes really going over some myths that I think are obvious stumbling blocks in our own minds that can prevent us from having routine time alone or retreating. So if you think about the word retreat, it actually means to withdraw from the enemy. And I think sometimes we think about our enemies as people, but I think that our enemies, our actual enemy in my life, I know for many, many people is this kind of constant overwhelming feeling that we should do more, be more, act more. So I want to give you some concrete examples and myths that you may have in your own mind that are stopping you from retreating, but actually where retreat, where it lives is where innovation, creativity, and clarity live. And those are the things that we need to actually progress and move forward in our jobs, in our professions, in our lives, in our personal relationships and the relationship with ourself. We can't really grow as a, as people and become more. And that means getting the promotion, or that can mean becoming healthier in our physical and our spiritual health, our mental health. We can't grow in relationships with others or in our leadership abilities or whatever area it is that we want to grow in if we can't create, innovate, and reflect. And that all requires daily, if not weekly, retreating. So the first thing that I think we often hear ourselves say, these are the thoughts that creep in when we think about how badly we need time alone, is number one, if I have a list of things to accomplish, I have to work nonstop to accomplish them, and then I can rest. How many times do you think that? How many times do you think about all of the things you have to accomplish, the list, the non-go, the non-stop ongoing tasks that keep popping up every day and you think to yourself, when this is done, I will rest. I want to give you an example. When I was in high school, I used to work in a grocery store. And I worked at the front of the grocery store and eventually worked in the office of the grocery store. But I was a checker and I did many different jobs in the grocery store, but once in a while I would have to work in the dairy section. Okay. And it was freezing. I hated working back there because I was constantly cold. And, but the main reason that I really disliked working in the dairy section is that my job was just to put out gallons of milk and half gallons of milk and all kinds of milk and beverages. And I'm like so task oriented and I love crossing off, you know, the list. I have to-do lists in every corner of my life and in my brain so much so that I even have a little, you know, notepad next to my bed and I will wake up at three in the morning and write on my list. (laughs) It drives my husband bonkers. So the reason that I hated this job, which took me several years of reflection to laugh at, is that I never felt like the job was done. 
I could never like cross off the dairy off my list because I would put out gallons of milk and then, you know, customers would come by and take the milk and walk off. And then I would put out another gallon of milk and they would take the next gallon of milk. And it was such a frustrating job for me because I never felt like it was finished. And I recognize this in my life that so often I go through a day and I'm like, oh, check, 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 check. And then I open my inbox and I have 10 more things to do. And I go to bed feeling really disgruntled and discouraged because I feel like I'm never going to be able to catch up. But really the myth is in my own mind. And this is a thought distortion that I've had to work through. Just because I have a list of things to accomplish does not mean that I have to work nonstop. In fact, I would say the opposite is true. I know I've repeated this story in previous podcasts, but my mother used to always say to me, you know, when I would complain and say, I'm so busy, I have this and this and this to do. And I'm so stressed. I have this test and this test. And she would say, well, you know, you probably should stop and pray. I would be like, what? Mom, that's like the last thing I have time to do is stop and spend some time with God. And she was like, "Mm, actually, when you're the busiest, that's when you should spend the most time with God. And I think, you know, whether you're religious or not, or whether you have a faith or not, we can extrapolate that into our actual mental health. The busier we become, the bigger the list is, the more pressure on us to actually do, do, do. But what we should do is stop and pull back and withdraw because oftentimes that allows us to gain clarity on which tasks are really important and which tasks are being placed on us by some well-meaning person that we actually don't need to do or don't want to do. And we need to actually move off the plate. Okay. So going through life is kind of like going through a buffet and people are constantly putting food on your plate, but guess what? You don't have to accept it. You can actually put your hand out and go, uh, I don't want that. I'm going to skip the stuffing in this buffet, going to skip the gravy and mashed potatoes. I'm going to pick this other thing. So oftentimes we don't see the, the actual power we have in our task list. And what we need is to withdraw for 30 minutes or an hour, and then we can actually have that time. So the second myth that I want to bust is the busier I am, the more productive I am. That's actually very untrue. There's a lot of data that looks at multitasking. And while I have prided myself for years of being able to multitask, I have tried to change multitasking into being a good time manager. Those are completely different things. Multitasking means you have multiple files open. You're doing multiple things at once. And therefore you're actually not really concentrating versus Adequate time management and putting up boundaries around your time is doing one task at a time. I've told you before in the last episode on how I set my timer, where I'm going, if I have like three manuscripts I'm working at, instead of working on one manuscript for eight hours and feeling like, oh, I still didn't get it accomplished, I will set a timer and I may work on one manuscript for two hours and another manuscript for an hour and a half or etc. Because then I feel like I'm moving forward a little bit in each area and I stop with the distractions and the multitasking. So the busier you are, the more you have to retreat. I know that sounds totally crazy, but I promise you it, it's true. So when you feel yourself that the pop-off valve is about to burst, that's when you need to pull back and retreat. And you need to actually think about your health, gratitude, This is when I sit and I just think creatively, like what is really bothering me? Is it that I'm doing a job I don't want to do? Is it that I'm doing a job that someone else asked me to do? Is it that my list is out of control because I'm 
on my phone and I'm being distracted? Is it because I've overcommitted myself to all these things and I have no free time? Because all of those things are within my control. I can say no, only I can set boundaries. So when you get clarity, when you give yourself that retreat, you gain clarity. When you gain clarity, you actually can see what needs to go, how you need to set your boundaries, how you need to manage your boundaries more. But that doesn't happen if you just keep doing what's on your to-do list. So the third myth, and I hear this so much, that it is self-serving to spend time alone. Well, first of all, I would say, is that bad? (laughs) Because only you can pour from a full cup to other people. If you are empty, there is nothing for you to give out. If you come home at the end of the day, flustered and disgruntled and grumpy, you have nothing left for the people in your life that matter the most to you, the people that share you share space with or yourself. So when I retreat for 30 minutes to an hour and get away from everyone, I'm actually feel like I emerge a little healthier Sasha, which gives me more energy to pour into others. I could just ignore it and just work for an hour. But guess what? Then I'm even more exhausted when I have to give to others around me that I share space with. So I want us to reframe this self-serving. And I hear this all the time in working moms. And every time I hear it, I just want to shake the person and say, actually, you are so wrong. You are beating yourself up. You're playing the martyr by saying, well, I can't spend time alone because I have small children and I work. Actually, when you are working and you have children that you're caring for, you need time alone more than anyone. (laughs) You need that time for your own sanity and health. And there's nothing selfish about it other than keeping you healthy. So the other fourth myth that I want to talk to is I will rest when I'm done with my work. Okay. Newsflash. You are never going to be done with your work. I'm sitting in an office right now. And if you saw the office I'm sitting in, um, you would be like, uh, Sash, perhaps you should hit pause on the podcast and clean the office. There are piles of newspapers. There are children's awards and certificates and ribbons. There's pictures that I want to file. There's bills. There are thank you cards from women that I want to put in a special folder. There's a couple pictures I actually want to frame. There are envelopes that I need to go through that have various things in them, mementos. There's bills. Um, There's every kind of information in this office that I could spend two hours right now going through, but I'm not because you know why I'm doing this podcast. There is always work to be done. And if we don't recognize that we need to rest, even when there's work there, we will constantly, constantly be working. So rest is not a reward at the end of our work. It's actually part of our workday so that we can recharge and get the work done so that we can innovate and create and have clarity. I don't know about you, but I have, it's taken me, it's, it's actually taken me, taken, Lord, it is, <laughs> I need less coffee this morning. Sorry. It has taken me probably until my mid thirties till I realized that there was this whole creative side of Sasha that I never really poured into in my 
late twenties, early thirties. Uh, I was a creative person in college and then I went to medical school and residency and started my career. And there was just no time for the creative side of my, of me. And I just felt like it was selfish. I felt like it would be selfish for me to play my guitar or write or read or do anything creative. And that part of me slowly started to die. And then I became very bitter when I would see people doing things that I would actually enjoy doing. I thought, well, that's really nice. Well, geez, they get to do that. Poor me, right? Then I started playing the victim. I recognized probably in my late thirties, after I went through a period of, of burnout, that I was the only person who could really control how I managed my time. No one was stopping me from doing all these things and no one was stopping me from saying no to all this traditional achievement and the path of success that was laid in front of me. So I think that it's very important that we recognize that there are probably parts of all of us that want to create something. Maybe it's creating some craft, maybe it's music, maybe it's writing, maybe it's reading, maybe it's a sport, maybe it's something that a hobby that we love that we've, or we've never done. That is up to each of us. And do we really want to go through life never pouring into any of those things? We can't even gain clarity on those until we actually rest and until we have a retreat. So the last thing I want to bust is actually talking to you about the weekly retreat and what I, what I have found to do that has helped me. Now I'm going to tell you what works for me. I have four kids. Uh, my house is never empty. I posted a picture of myself the other day reading and, um, sipping tea. And I said, what do you like to do when you're alone? And everyone in on social media was like, what do you mean when you're alone? You're alone. How nice would that be to, to be alone? And what everyone assumed about the picture is that me resting meant the house was empty. And I thought it was really interesting because actually there were like four people in my house. So I'm going to give you some tips on what I have done. Now, I'm not telling you this is how it should be done or this is, I'm just telling you what works for me. The first thing is if you have young children is I, and I did this because I used to work nights and I still work nights and call and I would come home and my kids were very little and I would really want to spend time with them. And so after sleeping, not sleeping for 24 hours, coming home from the hospital, having been at work for 24 hours, I would come home in the morning and I would spend time with my kids and I would tell myself, I just got to make it till one o'clock and then I'll rest for like three hours or two hours. And I started making the hours between one to three in my home quiet time. This is what I called it. And when my kids were little and they napped, you know, that was one thing. But even when they grew out of naps and they were home, I would say, you got to go to your room and read books or play Star Wars or whatever you have to do. But you have to be alone from one to three every day. This is your quiet time. Now, I can tell you, my kids... Uh, are teenagers, uh, 16, 14, 11, and nine. And I have some preteens and I have an, a child in elementary school. And every day that they're home in the house between the hours of one and three, guess what they do? This has become such a habit for them. They m- just kind of meander to their rooms and disappear. And it's really interesting because when we all go on vacation and we stay in closed quarters, everyone's like ready to kill each other between that by the end of the week because nobody has any space to retreat. 
And I find it really interesting because I didn't actually like, it wasn't like I had some, you know, parenting epiphany when I was like drowning when my kids were little and I was working 24 hour shifts and would come home and would have a baby and a toddler and a kindergartner and all this stuff. I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this. So when they're teenagers, they have quiet time. I, I honestly didn't. I did it for my own sanity, but my kids still between the hours of one and three every day, they just disappear. And they have quiet time in the room and they may read or they may, you know, play a video game or they may sleep or they may uh, create, draw something or art or whatever they do, but they are alone from one to three. Isn't that interesting? And during those hours, they all pull away. And I think that it is something I have taught them to do and it is what I do. So the other day when I posted that picture, I was in my room. The house was full. I was by myself. And they're like, how do you leave your kids? How do your kids leave you alone? Well, obviously they all, they didn't leave me alone when I was little, um, when they were little, but they did from those, those hours. And what I've done and what I did when they were little was I always had a space that was mine only. And I taught them when mom is sitting here or when mom is in this room or when mom is on now my white couch in my room, please leave mom alone. Mom's having quiet time. So when I want to withdraw from people, when I want to withdraw from my husband, when I want to withdraw from my kids, when I want to withdraw from the million people that are in my house all the time, I go to that space and everyone respects it, but it's a boundary that I've taught. So just because you are in a house full of people or in a space full of people, maybe you have a roommate, maybe you share a living space with other people, doesn't mean that you can't withdraw and retreat. Um, My place of retreat when my house was really small used to be my pantry. would literally go in the pantry and be like, everyone would leave me alone. At times there were a sleeve of Oreos that would accompany me. So honestly, you can, you can create space and you can create a space of retreat for yourself, even if you're not alone. Oftentimes, uh, I will have a weekly retreat in a coffee shop. So if I have to pick up this child here and drop this child off here, and I have two hours instead of going home, I'll go to a coffee shop and retreat. I will put on earphones. I will get my computer out and write, or I will write in my journal, or I will read a book and I withdraw. And you know what comes so clear to me? What is good in my life and what is not good in my life? The things I really need to work on. Also, what comes clear to me are the people that I miss and the relationships that perhaps I've neglected. It becomes very clear to me what is stressing me out, what I'm worried about, what I have anxiety over, what I need to get rid of and what I need to add. And so I want to encourage you because if you think that success comes from doing tasks and just working nonstop as a recovering workaholic, I can tell you that the most important thing you do, the most important thing I do is retreat to withdraw from the busyness and the overwhelm of life and to gain clarity and creativity and innovation around my goals. This is huge for me. And I want to encourage you because if I can do it as a full-time physician and a mom of four and someone who leads a national organization and a heart of, of women that are from all over the world, I can tell you, you can do it. If I can find time, you can find time. I promise you, you don't have to be alone to retreat in a, in a house. You can find a space You don't have to only retreat when your work is done. You don't have to do the work that is constantly on your list without stopping to retreat. And the busy you are does not mean that you're more productive. I hope I've given you some tips today and encouragement. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production.